Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, we're going to look at this early church and what happened in their lives. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. It says, And being assembled together with them, this is Jesus, with 500 people that were about to watch him go into the heaven. And it says this, He commanded them, so this was very important, Do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait. And to that I say, wait a second, wait? 500 people were interacting with the resurrected Jesus Christ? You would think they would be ready to change the world, and I'm sure they were. But Jesus told them and commanded them to wait because what was about to happen would be the difference maker for the future of his church. He said, wait, wait for what? The promise of the Father, he said, which you've heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This isn't in your notes, but verse 8, just a few verses down, he describes what this is that they're about to experience. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want to preach a message this morning simply entitled, Powered by the Promise. Powered by the promise. And I dedicate this message to anybody here today that you say, I have the heart to live for God, but I just don't feel like I have the power to live for God. I want to do this. Man, I want to fulfill my calling. I want to change the world. I want to make a difference. But I, I, I've tried it, and I just don't feel like I have the power to do it. Powered by the promise. Can we pray together this morning? Just ask the Lord to come and speak to us. I recognize God can do more in a moment than I could do in a lifetime of sermons. So that's my prayer that Holy, the Holy Spirit would speak to us here this morning. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your church. God, this is your church, not our church. God, this is your church. We're thankful that we get to be part of it. Would you speak to us today from your word? Let, let us have an encounter with you and be changed. God, we, we're not interested in just dead religion today. We want a living relationship with you. We want to be empowered, Lord, with that same spirit that this early church was empowered with. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Do you remember the first time that you, dro that you drove a car, anybody? Maybe you have a middle, school in here, middle schooler in here today. You're like, one day it will be awesome. Uh, one day. I remember the first time I drove a car, how awesome it was. But I, something that was equally as amazing to me is whenever I got a dirt bike as a kid. I had spent all of my life on a bicycle riding through the neighborhood. And I lived in, I lived in a hilly neighborhood. And when I got the dirt bike, praise God, the power that I experienced in my life. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine in town, Pastor Jason Creech from a church called Home out in Strawberry Plains, a dear friend of mine. And we were talking about having dirt bikes as kids. And he said whenever he was real little, his dad got him a dirt bike, taught him how to use the brake, taught him how to use the gas, uh, but did not teach him that there was more than one gear. <laughs> so he said as a kid, he just he was riding for weeks and weeks. In, one, in first gear, and I don't know if you've ever rode a motorcycle in first gear or a car in first gear. I mean, it's very limited, but he was loving it. I mean, he was having a good time. And he said, and then one day, he, uh, he about had a wreck, he, and, he, and he hit a bump, and, and his foot went down on that shifter, and he got a revelation. 
there is another gear. And he said it made that experience of riding a motorcycle so much better when he realized, he said, and then after that he discovered there's another gear and there's another gear and there's another gear. And I thought how many times in our lives, how many times in our faith, how many times in our walk with God, do we think we are living in all that there is in him? We're, 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 if you will, we're kind of in a first gear. Maybe you're in a second gear. And we, we think this is as fast, this is as awesome as it's going to get. And that's, we, we feel like we have reached the ceiling of who God is. And then there's a shift that takes place. Many times in a difficult season of our lives, a shift takes place. And then we realize that there's more to God than what we could ever imagine. Church, if I could say this, we never arrive until we are face to face with Jesus in heaven someday. There's always more of God's goodness. There's always more of his glory for us to experience. And that's what these first Christians discovered in the book of Acts. They were people, as I said earlier, they had seen Jesus Christ resurrected, which to me would, I can't even fathom how incredible that would be. And you would think that would be the catalyst. Like that would be all that they need to have an encounter with Jesus. That would be all that they would need to change the world. But Jesus told them to wait. Because he said, I don't want you to take this revelation of how good I am and my, in, in, in my power and then do it, try to change the world in your own power. In other words, be powered by your own, your own human intellect, your own ability, your own willpower, your own ingenuity. He says, but I want you to wait so that you can be powered by my power or specifically a promise that is the Holy Spirit. So... They go to a prayer meeting, as we talked last week. They start praying and seeking God. And 10 days into this prayer meeting, the Bible says they were in this upper room. And right in the middle of their prayer meeting, the Holy Spirit comes like a mighty rushing wind where they're all sitting. And it's like fire appears. And then they all start speaking languages that they didn't learn. In, they didn't learn Spanish 3. They didn't learn it. In school, they started speaking all these different languages. They hadn't downloaded Rosetta Stone yet. But they started speaking languages that, that they didn't know, that, that the Holy Spirit gave them the power to speak. And, man, it, it, was, it was so overwhelming to them that they stumbled out of that upper room where they had been in the upper room, said, for fear of the Jews. So they were up there, many of them, because they were afraid of what other people would think about them. And then after this encounter with the Holy Spirit, they start... You know, they start going out of this room and people start looking at them and making fun of them. Say, hey, these people are, they had a wild party. It's not like they, it's not in the morning and these people are already drunk. Like something's wrong with them. And Peter, who had denied Jesus just 50 days earlier, Peter, who couldn't even confess that he knew Jesus to a little girl that asked him after having an encounter with the Holy Spirit, he stands up in the middle of this crowd that's gathering. All these people from these different countries are hearing praise about God in their own language. And they're, they're, it's, just, it's just amazing. And Peter gets up and preaches the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And 3,000 people get saved. And it was a miraculous day. And that one day changed everything. That one day we're here today across the whole world because of that one day. And I wanted to say all that to say this, that, that the early church was powered by the promise of God. 
empowered by the Holy Spirit. That it was a, it, the, the reason the church became what it became was not because of human ingenuity. It wasn't because of intellect. It wasn't because of dynamic leadership. It wasn't because they got this plan together. It wasn't because they got some kind of religious system or organization together and and, and divided up the world and decided this is how we're going to conquer it. No, it was a move of the Holy Spirit that came into their lives that they didn't fully understand. They just were open to whatever Jesus had for them. And when that empowerment came to them, it changed everything about the world. And my hypothesis is if that's how the early church was built, on the power of God, don't you think that this is how our lives should be built as well? This is how this church should be built as well. And I know what you're thinking because it's what I'm thinking. Oh, no. Holy, this Holy Spirit talk, okay. Maybe some of you are told if they start talking about the Holy Spirit too much at that church, you need to make an exit and if I could just be honest, I, I have, this is an area of my life and journey with Jesus that I've seen a lot of things done in the name of the Holy Spirit that are just not the Holy Spirit. And I've been jaded because of some of these things along the way, but I've been convicted lately that as a church, that this, what we're doing will never be enough just to just have good music good singing and good programs if we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit alive in our lives and understand and want more of the Holy Spirit. So, so if you could just join me on this journey, that's, that's my invitation today. Join me on the journey and help me demystify this. Help, help us make this church, this congregation, City Hills, a place where, where someone can come in and, and discover the goodness of God and discover the Holy Spirit in a way where it's not weird or strange, but it's a way where it is life-giving and life-changing and world-shaping. So let's get a blank page here today and let's, let's, let, let's, let's take a journey on, man, who is the Holy Spirit? And before, before we do this, if I could say this, uh, one of the things I want to say about the Holy Spirit is He is not weird. People are weird. And then they blame it on the Holy Spirit. I think the Holy Spirit says, you were weird before me. You're just weird. But I want to share with you some things I love about the Holy Spirit, okay? So let's take a journey together. If you're taking notes, some things that I love about the Holy Spirit. Here's the first thing. That He is my inner voice. He is my inner voice. Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. It's interesting to me that whenever Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, it's not some cosmic force. It's not an it. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a he. The Holy Spirit is someone you can have a relationship with. Jesus says the most amazing things about the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, Jesus said it's going to be better for you when I leave because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you and he's going to be with you forever. Jesus was saying I'm in one place at one time, but when I am resurrected, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and it's going to change everything about you. It's going to change everything in the world, everything about your life. And Jesus says he's the inner voice on the inside convicting us. 
Have you ever done something that you shouldn't have done and, and you hear that voice? The voice of conviction? Oh, I, I, you shouldn't have done that. Or, like me, you're about to, about to do something that you shouldn't do. About to come, like, there's been times I'm going to come home and just vent to my wife, vent, and I just feel this voice on the inside. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> conviction. See, there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation says you're a loser, you're no good, your past defines your future. Condemnation says you've made too many mistakes, God's never going to use you. There's no hope. Condemnation always feels hopeless. When you feel condemnation, you need to take the word of God and put it above that thought and take that thought captive because the scripture says there's no condemnation to us that are in Christ Jesus. See, conviction's completely different. Conviction doesn't say you're a loser. Conviction says you're my son and you can change and I have great plans for your life. You may have made a mistake, but you're not a mistake. You're a child of God. You may have done what the devil says you did, but you're not who the devil says you are. You can change. You can change. That's what the Holy Spirit says to us. He's, our inner vo- he's that inner voice. He's not our inner voice. He's, not our, he's, he's that inner voice on the inside of us. At the end of this message, watch what the scripture says. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. It says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In other words, at the end of this message, I'm going to have an opportunity for someone or a group of someones to pray to give their lives to Jesus. To turn your life over to Jesus Christ. To have a fresh start with God. And there's going to be people in this place, you're going to hear a voice on the inside saying to you, why not today? It's time. You're going to hear a knocking on your heart's door. That's the Holy Spirit. Nothing to be afraid of. Nothing, no, no, nothing to be uh, scared of. It's not weird. It's not strange. It's, it's the voice. He's the voice that wants to speak into our lives. Here's the second thing I love about the Holy Spirit. He is my teacher. He is my teacher. The Holy Spirit wants to teach me. In other words, the Holy Spirit can give you revelation about the Bible and you don't have to go to Bible college. The Holy Spirit can teach us things. That's not to, I went to Bible college, not to, not to uh, diminish uh, learning more. Absolutely not. But here's the, here's the reality. The Bible says the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So if all you have in your relationship with God is a relationship with just the letter, the Bible says that, it kills. But if the Holy Spirit comes and teaches you about the letter, it brings life. And this is not to diminish the Scripture. and We're going to do a whole message in this series about the power and importance of the Scripture. But the Godhead is not the Father, Son, and the Holy Bible. It's not to diminish the Scripture. We need the Word. The Word reveals the Word of God. But I think many times we have replaced just a head knowledge of God instead of an experience with the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. The early church, they changed the world without a lot of the incredible tools that we have today. And they did it because they were being taught by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we need as a church. Jesus says this, John 14, 26, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, watch what the Spirit does. He will teach you all things. All things? Yes, all things. Amazing. He will remind you of everything that I've said to you. 
1 John 2.27 says, But you have received the Holy Spirit. He lives within you, so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true, for the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. Many times, our Christian life, because we feel like we can't understand the Bible, we relegate our Christian life to just coming to church on the weekend and hearing someone preach the Word, and and nothing's wrong with that. But it was never God's intention for the pastor to be the only way that you get revelation from the Word. The Holy Spirit wants to be there every single day to teach you. And if you ever have questions about the Word, I just I, I dare you to just say, Holy Spirit, would you reveal what this is about to me? And that's what one of His jobs is. Are in our, is in our life. He's, a, he's our teacher. Here, here's, here's the third thing I love about the whole, I love this about the Holy Spirit. Number three, he's our guide. Holy Spirit is our guide. Jesus said this, but when he comes, the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is to come. That the Holy Spirit is going to speak things to you that don't come from your own brain that change the direction of your life. Six years ago, about this time, I'd taken a day to fast and pray. And instead of going to, the rest, instead of going to a restaurant for lunch, I went to a small chapel at the church that I was serving at in uh, the Orlando, Florida area. And in that time of prayer, I felt the Holy Spirit whisper the word Knoxville to me. And I, didn't know, I, didn't, I thought I didn't know if I'd watch too many Peyton Manning commercials I didn't know what was going on, but all I know is in that time of prayer and fasting that I felt like, and it wouldn't go away, and I felt that that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me about a city I had never spent time in and knew no one, and I didn't know anyone in, and and it would not go away. I reached out to my wife, Kara, and I said, hey, babe, this may be weird, but what about Knoxville? And she said, it's funny you say that. She said, last night I had a dream that we moved to Knoxville and we planted a church. And she said, I think it was the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing. The Holy Spirit was speaking to me in prayer, speaking to my wife in a dream, and he was guiding our lives. See, that's what happens as a church whenever we're, we're, not, we're saying, holy, uh, the Holy Spirit, I'm not afraid of the Holy Spirit. I want more of God in my life because when you you start opening your life to the voice of the Holy Spirit, He will lead you and He will guide you and He will make He will make shifts in your life. And I thank God every day for the voice of the Holy Spirit that's leading our lives and guiding our lives. I can't imagine the blessings that I wouldn't have experienced in this city and being a part of what God's doing here at City Hills if not for the voice of the Holy Spirit. I think He would have called someone to this city to do what we're doing right now. If I wouldn't have listened, I'm thankful for the voice of the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for what God is doing and just to be a part of it. One of, my, one of the verses that have just been on my heart so much lately, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. This needs to maybe be somebody's verse that you take and pray over. It's so good. It says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Wherever you go to the right or to the left, if you'll be open, you'll hear a voice. Not, not an audible voice, but you'll hear, you'll hear a voice in your spirit. This is the way. Walk in it. It may not make sense on paper. It may not look like it's the right way in your natural mind. But you follow the Holy Spirit. He will lead you and he will guide you. That's what the scripture says. Here's the fourth thing I love about the Holy Spirit. He's my best friend. And this is personal. And when you write that down, I pray that this becomes personal for you. 
The scripture says this. Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another. The word another is not separate. It simply means another of the same kind. I will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The word counselor there is the word parakletos, which is just simply means helper. In other words, you pick up one end. and Anybody ever moved before? You need a parakletos with a truck, right? One translation translates that as friend. I added to this best friend. If you were to ask me who my best friend is, I'd say, without a doubt, I'd, I'd say my wife, Kara. We, we were hanging out this week, and she said, 13 years ago, you asked me to marry you. 13 years ago. And, and she's just been my best friend. We talk about things that no one else talks about. We love spending time together. But, but as, we were, as, as, as I was studying this, I, I, I got thinking, the Holy Spirit has been my best friend even greater than any human relationship that I've ever experienced. The, the first word that comes out of my mouth in the morning is, Good morning, Holy Spirit. That my relationship with the Holy Spirit is the constant in my life. I want Teenagers, listen to me. You're never alone. You may feel like you're alone at school. You're never alone. Because the Holy Spirit is with you and He wants to be your friend. He wants to be your best friend. And other people, friends will let you down. And I, I will let you down. We will let each other down. But I want to tell you, we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We have a friend, the Holy Spirit, that wants to walk with us and help us and talk with us everywhere we go. No matter what you're facing, can I just encourage you? You're not alone. So, so, so talk to the Holy Spirit. Cast your cares on Him. Cast your cares on the Lord. He cares for you. He loves you. He, he, he wants the best for your life. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 says this. Don't grieve God. Not in your notes. Don't break His heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you. It's the most intimate part of your life. Don't take such a gift for granted. Don't take it for granted. I love what 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says. It says, the amazing grace of the master Jesus, the extravagant love of God. And many times we put a period there because we say, okay, I know Jesus. I, I, I understand the love of God. I understand God as Father. But we miss out on a part of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. We say, okay, I don't want any, I, 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 I know about Jesus, I know about the Father, but I don't want anything to do with the Spirit. But Paul continues, he says, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And that's my prayer as a pastor, that you would develop a friendship with the Holy Spirit that will transcend whatever circumstance you're facing in your life. He's with you. I want to give you three prayers to pray during this season of 21 days of prayer to hopefully begin this best friend relationship with the Holy Spirit in your life. Here's the first one. If you're taking notes, Holy Spirit, show me. Holy Spirit, show me. See, we all approach this topic with baggage, don't we? I say there's two things that have been fought more about in the church, in the modern church, and it's praise and worship and the Holy Spirit. And the devil's been strategic in that, getting us as Christians fighting because praise and worship is the heart of God and the Holy Spirit's the power of God. And my prayer is to simply say this, Holy Spirit, you show me who you are. He's big enough to do that. 
You show me who you are. Reveal yourself. I'm not going to sit in a corner and close myself off to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you show me who you are. Reveal yourself to me. I want more of you. Show me. Not just show me you. Show me me. Psalm 139, 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in your way everlasting. Show me, God. Holy Spirit, show me. Show me the area of, of my life. See, this is, this is my plan and prayer to pastor this church. I want you, I don't want to get up here every week and say, stop, quit, don't, 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 stop, quit. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week. I'm going to tell you more stuff you can't do. We're going to try to live up to it. We, we're not going to live up to it. Then we're going to come back. We're going to, you know, that, that, that's, that's the mentality. My pastor that I served in Florida, he was such a wise man. And one of the things that he said, he said, there's two ways to clean a river. He says, you can dam it up and then try to pick out all the impurities. Or you can just let the river flow. And it washes away the impurities. I think that's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. As a church, we're not coming and just saying, okay, let's try to live better. Let's try to clean up our own lives. No, we're saying, Holy Spirit, would you show me the areas of my life? And when he shows you, when he illuminates the areas of your life through his word, through the spirit, as you pray, as he illuminates those things, it, as he convicts us, let's change. And then we become more and more like Jesus. Holy Spirit, show me. Here's the second one. Holy Spirit, change me. That's essentially to say, I haven't arrived. I haven't arrived. Holy Spirit, I, I, I want to be changed. I believe there's a next step. If I could say this, I think there's a next step for every person in this room, myself included. From the youngest to the oldest. From the person, maybe this is your first time to ever be in a church. Or maybe you've been in a church like me since you were six days old. Every one of us have a next step to take. And when we pray, Holy Spirit, change me, what we're saying is that I want to take the next step. I want to grow. Maybe, that, maybe the Holy Spirit, when you saw that promo about small groups, maybe your next step is it's time to lead a group. Maybe it's time to get involved. Maybe it's time to give your life to Jesus. Maybe it's time to stop doing something. Maybe it's time to start doing something. But we want the Holy Spirit to change us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17 says this, For the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, I love this, there's freedom. All of us have an area of our life that if it was not there, if we had some freedom in that area, we would have, we'd be able to fulfill what God's called us to do better. And what, the more of the spirit that we have, God changes us and we have freedom. It goes on to say, and the Lord, who is the spirit, makes us more and more like him. Watch this, as we are changed. Could you say that word with me? Changed. Changed into his glorious image. Here's the third prayer. Musicians, you could come. Third prayer is this, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. That is to say, Holy Spirit, I want everything that you have for me. Everything. I don't want to just have a surface, cold, religious Christianity. But I want to be filled to the overflow 
so that when people bump into me, they don't get me, they get you. <laughs> they're not getting me in my emptiness, they're getting you in your fullness as you overflow in and through my life. This is what the scripture says in the book of Ezekiel chapter 36, not in your notes, but it says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and you will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. In other words, it's the filling of the Holy Spirit that changes our heart from a heart of stone and a heart to a, to a living heart that we want to do what God's called us to do now. It empowers us to change. Because we're gonna, if, we don't, if we're not filled with the spirit, we're gonna be filled with something that's going to transcend our life. That's why the scripture says, don't get drunk with wine that leads to debauchery and excess. What is that? It's just a transcendent experience to try to escape this world. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. If I could say it this way, be intoxicated with him. When someone's intoxicated, they're not in control. How many of us in our Christian walk, we're so much still in control? We got our toes in the water, but we're not swimming. Because when you get in over your head, it's the current that pulls you. And that's the way that the early church lived. Maybe you say, well, I've already been filled with the Holy Spirit. I say, that's awesome. The scripture says in Acts chapter 13, verse 52, the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you have a wall up against talking about the Holy Spirit and experience the, this baptism in the Holy Spirit and filling of the Holy Spirit. And it's a lot of ways the scripture describes just being overcome and just letting the Holy Spirit fill our lives. Because people have looked at you and says, oh, you're not really a Christian because you haven't done this or that. I wanna leave you with one truth here today and simply this, being filled with the Spirit does not make me better than you. Being filled with the Holy Spirit makes me better than me. And church, I need to be better than me. Because what God's called me to, I can't do it in my own power. Wait! What do you want me to wait for, Jesus? I want you to be powered by the promise. You say, well, that's really nice for those first Christians. That's a really cool story. Kind of weird, but, but cool. It's really nice for them. Well, Acts chapter 2 and verse 39 says this. Just reminded of this today. It says simply this. For the promise is to you and to your children and to our all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. In other words, that same promise that they experienced I dare you read the book of Acts for yourself it's all throughout the scripture it was the Holy Spirit that empowered them it was the promise that empowered them and that same promise can empower you and me today amen let's pray together Lord thank you so much for your spirit that changes us on the inside Lord we don't we're not trying to be better than anyone else we're trying to we want to be better than us we want you to fill us we want you to change us so we pray, Holy Spirit, show us. 
Why don't you just pray that in your own Holy Spirit, show me. Show me who you are. Reveal yourself to me. Lord, reveal my, myself to me, the blank spots, the areas of my life where, where I'm not surrendering to your best for me. We pray, Holy Spirit, change us. We want to be different. We want to take our next step, whatever that is on the journey. We have not arrived. And then thirdly, we pray, Holy Spirit, would you feel me? Would you feel us? As a church, we want everything that you have. Lord, we're not resisting you. Holy Spirit, we want you to fill this place, fill our church. Lord, not for our benefit, but so that we could change this city for your glory. Lord, so that we could be a witness, so we can have power to, to touch our world and to make a difference. Pray all this in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you are feeling or hearing that voice on the inside that I talked about earlier, and it's time to give your life to Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Don't put it off. Listen to the Holy Spirit that's knocking on your heart's door. It's time for you to say, Jesus is Lord. Giving my life to Him today. That's you today. I want to lead you in a prayer just of surrender to God. We're just all going to pray it together. That's all right. Just, why don't we just pray? Say, Jesus, you're the only one that can save me. So right now, would you save me? I give my life to you. Past, present, and future. Fill me with your spirit. Jesus, I believe you are Lord. I give my life to you today and forever. In Jesus' name. Wow. Amen. Amen. Church, can we just give God a hand clap of praise? He's in this house today.